Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is November 30th, 2022. We continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, Lesson 46, True Liberation. Now, we've talked about kingdom freedom. We've talked about kingdom warfare, that the enemy attacks us in our mind. And that's where spiritual warfare takes place, is in the mind. But I want to talk about the word liberation, to be liberated. And you know, I guess the best example is, and many of you may be able to uh, identify with this, is when you were in school, whether it was junior high or high school, many years ago for some of you, um, and you were studying history and you came to World War II and you began seeing the pictures and sometimes the, the movies where the um, allied forces, the Americans or the Russians, would defeat the Germans as they moved through Germany and they'd come upon these concentration camps. And they went into the camps and, and there was these Jewish people. Um, of course, not all the camps were Jewish. Uh, most of them were Jewish, but they, the Germans eradicated a lot of other people as well. And, but, but these people were shriveled and, and, and just on the edge of death itself. And it looked terrible. And yet they were smiling so big because the Allied forces were liberating them. They were bringing them into freedom. And, and I want you to think about that picture, that scene of these people being brought out of these prisons and these torturous camps and these horrid conditions. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I encourage you find a Holocaust museum. Um, uh, there's even good movies that you can rent, uh, you know, on Netflix or Amazon or or, or anywhere. Um, I, I encourage you to research this and and, and see uh, the horrors of what the Germans did. But I, I want you to pay attention to the conditions of the people. They were in bondage. They were in captivity to death itself. And these Allied forces, when they came through, they liberated them. They brought them into freedom. And it's important to understand this because at this point in the war, Germany was actually defeated. They, they could not win the war. The Allied forces were pressing in. And, of course, the Germans refused to surrender. Um, their, their leaders were nuts and they just continued to fight on and there was no surrender and, and they, but they were defeated. They were defeated foe. That's sort of the picture of today. Satan is defeated. He cannot win the war. It's over. God's forces are, are, are taking ground, but even in the midst of defeat, the enemy still has people in captivity. And people in captivity, through our human eyes, 
they may look happy and fine. They're going to the parties, they're drinking, they're doing drugs, they're living the high life, they're seeking money. Uh, it seems like evil people tend to get rich while righteous people struggle. Um, you see this continually. You see that with your physical eyes, but in the spiritual, where the battles are occurring, the enemy is defeated. He's in a losing process and he's losing ground every day. And But there are still people captive. And just like those Jews, these captive people, though they look good spiritually, they're on the verge of death. They're shriveled. They're dying. And matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus is speaking to the churches and he comes to uh, Laodicea, the lukewarm church, and he tells his lukewarm church, you think you have everything you need. You think you're rich and you have no need. He goes, but you're really, you're really poor and you're naked and you're wretched. And, and, and those words are, are powerful because he's talking about a captive people in captivity. And if you remain in captivity, you die. The enemy will kill you. You must be liberated, set free. And that's what I want to talk about today in true liberation. As Christians, we must be set free. And I want us to understand this. And there's two things I want to focus on. One of them is in in, in a scripture and in a picture. I've just recently taught this. I've been teaching this chapter for years now, and I've just in the last month, I've taught it in churches in Juarez. But, and, and I can't go into that because of the time of the podcast and, and what I'm trying to convey here. But I want to read this and I want you to at least get a picture of what we're talking about. In Revelation chapter 5, uh, the apostle John, he's been, he's been caught up into heaven and he's seen the throne room of God. He's seen there's the God on the throne and there's, people and angels and there's he's he's trying to describe the brilliance of it and we come to chapter five and it says and i saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals then i saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. Now I want to stop right there and I want to, I want to, I want to skip down just a little bit because when he's saying no one is worthy, um, I want us to understand who they're talking about. Verse 11, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. Now, I, I don't have time to really go into the teaching and, and, and the Greek and everything. And if you know math, if you know, if you're good in algebra or in high school or college, you understand what I'm talking about. But basically, those 10,000 times 10,000, thousands, thousands, it's referring to those thousands of thousands as powers. So it's 10,000 times. 10,000 to the thousandth power to the thousandth power. And so if you understand this and you you understand what I'm trying to say, if you were to write out that number, you know, uh, you would spend your entire life and not finish writing out the zeros on the end. We have no word 
for how big that number is. There is no word. You just, it, that's why we use a scientific notation, which actually comes from the Greeks, which is, this is written in Greek. And so, but it's just, it's just huge. To us, it might as well be infinite. It's not infinite. That's an actual number, but it's, it's almost beyond our comprehension of how big it is. I mean, a billion would be insignificant to this number. It's, that's how many angelic beings are surrounding the throne. And we see in the Old Testament just one angel kills 186,000 people overnight. Uh, so angels are these incredibly powerful beings that, that that can step on us and squash us like we're nothing. And then there's so many of them we can't even begin to fathom the number. And they're around the throne. And, and, and none of them, none of them are worthy. They don't have... The power, they don't have the character, they don't have whatever it is it takes. None of them are able to open this scroll that has got seven seals on it. Now, if you understand a seal, especially back in the biblical days, and even all the way up probably to modern times almost, but a seal is just, most of the time it was melted wax with just an impression punched into it. Today, a seal could even be a stamp. Is is not something that you think of as as a powerful object, but it's powerful in the fact that 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 little marking on the seal, the wax, is the authority of the person who said you can't open it. You see, it's the authority that holds it shut, not so much the piece of paper, or little wax. It's the authority of the seal that keeps it closed. So none of these angels have the ability or the authority to open this scroll. And John is crying. Why is John crying about this scroll? Well, again, I can't go into the in-depth study about it, but this scroll, it is his destiny. It's his future. It's his hope. It is everything that God made him for with purpose. It's, it's, it's everything. And it's not just for John. It's for you and I. It is everything that we could ever hope to receive from the Lord. It is every promise from the Lord. It's it's everything. You know, it's 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 more than just dominion of, of the planet. It's more than just it's it's everything that God has for us. And it's sealed up in this scroll, and it's in a position that we we can't have it because it can't be opened up and given to us. And now we understand why John is crying. He has no hope. He has no future. You and I have no hope and no future. And it's been sealed, by the way, a, a little quick. I'm going off a little bit, but I'm going to do this. I hope you understand. See, these this seals were put on by Satan. And he had the authority to do it because of the fall in Genesis with Adam. Adam gave him the right to seal that up. And when when we when the humankind fell into sin because of Adam, we lost dominion, we lost everything. Sin and death reigned, and all the promises and hope that God has for us, the enemy has sealed up. And we continue in verse 5. It says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. 
Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. And having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp of golden bowls full of incense with the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Were you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Now, this is a powerful thing. You see, here's John. He's crying. Our future's sealed up. He, we can't get to it. And in the midst of us, this angel. Our elder reaches down and says, says, don't cry. Look, someone has been worthy. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so John looks up and he wants to see this lion. He wants to see this lion that is mighty, that is worthy, who has authority to do this. And when he looks at the lion, it's a lamb that has been slain. See, Jesus Christ is both lion and lamb. He is the lion because he is powerful and he is mighty. And yet, as a lamb, he went to the slaughter on the cross for you and I. And he paid the price. So now he comes into the throne room of the Father and he takes the scroll and he sits down at the right hand of God and everyone in this scene of awesomeness in all this creation and they're falling down saying worthy and he begins to open the scroll. And that, of course, is the whole idea why people want to study the end times. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about all the horrible things. It's the fact that we are coming to a point of liberation where we are going to receive all the promises that God has promised for us. See, some people think that you can just grab all the promises of God right now. But the scripture says that there are some promises you cannot have until this day because they're sealed away. But Jesus is in the process, even now as I speak, of opening those seals. And every time a seal is open. It manifests here in this physical world in some way. Wars and pestilence and things. Those That's not Jesus doing those, those breaking, those seals is the breaking of the enemy's power. And because his time, with everyone that's broken, his time is growing short, shorter. And he's putting forth his wrath on us here on this planet. While he can, while he still can. That's that's the warfare that we see. That's the lives that we live in, and many of us are still in bondage to the enemy. We're in bondage because we don't understand the freedom that is upon us. So, how do we drive the enemy out of our lives? How do I become quote liberated? With the Lord, well, and and until the day we stand before Him, we're not completely liberated because our flesh is still in bondage to this world, 
But our spirits and souls, our spirit can be instantly liberated. And our mind, as we talked about last week in warfare, we must renew our mind. We must have, we must have the spirit transform our thinking because our thinking has been enslaved. But I want to talk to you today about seeing that spiritual liberation happen to our minds and how does it come about somewhat here in the flesh now. And what we have to understand is there are some things that will hold us in bondage. <clears throat> there are there are sins. And I go into great detail in this in our discipleship series where I disciple people and we disciple people in Mexico and the United States and the Caribbean and and and, and all over the place. And I'd encourage you, if you want to know more about this discipleship, you can check out our website, christianimpact.net. Send us a note, because um, we're, we're looking forward to even helping people online around the world being discipled. But in getting to this, there are, there, are some, there are some things that will hold you in captivity and bondage. And I'm going to talk to you about eight of these things. Um, number one is your, your, your actions and your attitude. You see, sin is anything that you do that's contrary to the will of God whether in action or in attitude. You know, if you just have a bad attitude that's against the will of God, it's a sin. If, if, if you're performing bad things, it's a sin. And this will keep you in bondage and captivity. Generational curses and sins, that's, that's the second one. Uh, these are sins from previous generations that have come on down and beset you. I can remember one time sitting in the living room of a teenager that had was trying to give his life to the Lord, and he's sitting there and he's had issues with marijuana and drugs. And he's sitting next to his father who's had issues with marijuana and drugs. And he's sitting next to his grandfather who's there in the room who's had issues with marijuana and drugs. All, None of them work. They're all unemployed. And their grandma's taking care of all of them because she's the only one not on alcohol and drugs. And it, it's you see it three generations. You know, in the Ten Commandments. And the one about honor your father and mother, it says that the sins will be passed down for three and four generations. And I see that so often, three or four generations that will be standing before you all with the same problem. It's a generational curse and it keeps you in captivity. Number, uh, a third one, soul ties. You know, well, what's a soul tie? Well, it's not just between a, a man and a woman, like we're in love and this person's a soul tie is it's it's a spiritual connection that comes by definition by what I call a covenant or contract relationship. Now, what do I mean by covenant or contract? Everyone you meet, you spiritually have a contract with your relationships. Some people are just acquaintances. You don't want to know them. They're far away. There's not a lot of obligation to that. See, your spiritual contract or your covenant is very weak. You're not responsible. And so, therefore, sin, what they do doesn't really affect you. However, your friends, your best friends, see, you've got more of a spiritual covenant which is a type of contract with them that that when you say, though, this is my BFF, this is my best friend, you know, we're in it together no matter what. Well, yeah, but if your best friend goes out and commits sins, you've got a, this soul tie that their sin can come over and onto you. It, 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 it'll, it'll, quote, bless you. Their sin will bless you. 
You know, I know that doesn't sound uh, blessed. How can sin bless? Oh, it doesn't. It curses you. But you have to understand, it's these 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 ties that were blessings and curses in the spiritual realm travel between people. And so, if you if you get if you get a girl and you're going out there and you're having sex and you're not married, you're creating a marriage tie to this person, and you haven't even physically made the marriage but spiritually you put yourself in the same spot as a spouse which is extremely fluid it means that anything they do any lie see all those curses come across to you because you're biblically you're one flesh you're one person and so you share in all things and so it'll keep you in bondage by the way as a christian if you're doing this you can bless you can bless you know, all your all your blessings from God will go from you to all these non non Christians you've got yourself involved with. But guess what? They have no blessings to pass to you because they're not believers. So they're just curses flowing to you. That's why your life is so trashed. But anyway, that's soul ties. Uh, another one is negative expectations. Uh, these this is where you set up this belief system in your mind. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know, and, and, and they've, they've, they've come into you. Um, a lot of times these come to you because of word curses. This is where someone told you you were stupid, you know, and you begin to believe it. You believe it. And so now you're not as smart, not because you're not smart, but because you believe it. I know there's a lot of you ladies out there. You've been told you're fat or you're ugly and you believe it. You've got this belief system in you that you believe you're ugly. God doesn't make ugly things. Sin makes you ugly, but God doesn't make ugly things. And so this puts you in captivity to the enemy. Another one, number five, inner vows. This is where you say, you make this vow, this promise inside yourself. A common one is, I'll never forgive that person. I'll never forgive you for that. You, you know, when you do that, you have bonded yourself through a vow that God will not hold you to forever. You, you put yourself in bitterness. And, and that destroys you and eats you away. I have seen people that with bitterness and unforgiveness, man, that will, I've seen it manifest in, 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 as cancer on a person. I've seen it happen. There's no reason why they should develop cancer, but they're so bitter, they develop it. And where they're bitter, that's where it comes out. And most of the time, for some of them, it's in their stomach. But uh, these vows that hold you in captivity. Another thing, trauma. You know, and, and, and a trauma, uh, you're in a car wreck, you've seen something traumatic, uh, uh, you've been sexually abused or raped. Um, see, you didn't commit the sin. the sin, the sin was put upon you, this trauma, and now you suffer from these mental images. Many troops that have been overseas and fought in wars, they come back with this PTSD. It's a trauma, they're reliving these images that are now holding them into captivity. Uh, number, number seven, habitual enslavement. This is where you've done something so long, you've made a habit out of it. And now this, this sin, that's a habit is holding you into bondage and captivity. And then the last one, which is the least of all of them, but yet it gets the most attention. And this is, you could be demonically held captive. You, you've played with the occult. You've messed with spells. You've messed with magic. You've, you've Ouija boards or whatever. And now demonic entities have a right to you and you've submitted yourself to them and you find yourself in a bondage. Listen, liberation is possible 
because the answer is Jesus Christ. The Lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. You can be free. How do you get free? How do you listen? This is so many churches today have fallen into this bless me prosperity gospel. They don't they don't teach about this, and you're still in bondage. And to get free, it's a simple thing. It's called confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. That's how you get free. Think of it like this. Think of it. I like to call this spiritual breathing. You don't think about suffocating. You're listening to this. You haven't thought about suffocating, have you? No, you breathe naturally, normally. You don't even think about it all the time. This is the same way. When you confess, it's, it's like exhaling. When you, when you exhale, you're getting rid of all the, the carbon dioxide and toxins and stuff in your lungs. Anything your body can get rid of through the lungs, that's what happens when you exhale. You breathe it out. We just had COVID, people freaking out, wearing masks. Why? Because they're afraid of what you're going to exhale, the bad stuff that's going to come out of your mouth. When you've got a cold or a flu and you're sneezing, people say, cover your mouth. They don't want what's coming out. But we need to exhale to God, and that's confession. And that's where we go to God, and we and we're going to we're going to confess what we've done. You know, in First John one eight and nine, it says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse and forgive us of our sins. That's not just forgiven. Yes, we are forgiven, but He's going to cleanse us from this sin. You see, He sets us free. He liberates us. And so what we need to do if we're going to make a real confession is three things. We need to call it sin, we need to call it forgiven, and we need to call on God to change us. Now, let me tell you what this means. We need to, when we call it sin, we have to agree with God it's a sin. And this is where most of the time we don't confess. Because when we're confessing, what we're really saying is, I'm sorry I got caught. It's like speeding. I, I, I like to use the, the speeding. You're in a car and you're driving fast. I'm driving down the interstate. You know, the speed limit's, you know, 70, 75, and I'm doing 80, 85. And then a cop pulls me over. You know, a trooper pulls me over, and he comes up to me, and, I, and what do I do? I do? Oh, I'm so sorry I did that. I didn't mean to. Please, officer, forgive me. But really, what I'm really saying is that, Officer, if you weren't here or when you're not here, I'm going to do it again. As soon as I think I can get away with it, I'm going to do it again. And we all do that because, you know what, as soon as we think no one's looking, we're going to do it again. And we, no matter what we say we believe in our heart, we know, okay, yeah, God's always watching me. But we don't believe that because we think as soon as he's not looking, I'm going to do it again. That's not calling, that's not confession. That's not calling sin. We have to begin to agree with God that this is really a bad thing. And this is where we this is where brokenness comes from. This is where we have to agree this is bad and I'm doing bad things. And when we do that, we can confess it to God and then we can agree what? The lion of the tribe of Judah, he paid for the sin with his blood. He has forgiven our sins. And I confess this, Jesus, you take my sin. You do this. Lord, I, re- I take your forgiveness. I understand you've forgiven it. And then God, change me. Change me. Don't let me stay here. This is where the repentance comes in. I need to turn around. Repentance means turning around and going the opposite direction. And I need to do that. And God, I need you to help me to do that. Help me, God, to change my directions. You see, that's all in the the exhale. And then you want to inhale. You want to breathe in. When you breathe in, you breathe in good air. Spiritually, you need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. 
Ask God to change you, and then you breathe in. And when you breathe in what you do, your spirit, I'm going to receive your forgiveness, God. I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit's power to change me, to change my direction. Now, how do you do this? How do you breathe? It's by faith. You're saved by faith. You're filled with the Spirit by faith. Listen, you are set free by faith. You just, it's like breathing in. You don't think about it. You just do it. You need to, by faith, just receive God's done all the work. He's done all the liberation. Like those, like those pictures of those Jews being freed from the Germans. They didn't do anything. They just walked out the door and the soldiers opened it up. They just received the freedom. That's what you need to do. You just need to receive the freedom that God has for you and step out into his liberating light. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your power to set us free. Father, I pray that those who have listened to this, God, who are struggling, God, with their flesh, who are struggling with habits, God, who are struggling just with dealing with life in this evil world, God, who, Lord, I just pray right now that they would come to you, God, and that they would breathe in your forgiveness and your liberation power, God, that they wouldn't hide, they wouldn't let the enemy cloud their mind, God, but yet they would confess out in truth the things that are in them, God, that hold them down, God, and they would receive your freedom, God. Lord, I thank you that you're able and powerful to do all these things, that you are worthy, you are the worthy one, God, that holds our future and our promises, God. And Father, I thank you that you're calling us forth, God, as you open that scroll and read out our names and say, enter in, uh, my good and faithful servant. Father, I pray, God, that we would hear your voice, God, and we'd receive the good things that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, again, I encourage you to check out our website for other teachings in this series. Um, if you have questions about discipleship, uh, I know next year we're looking to expand uh, some of this, what we do on the net. Um, we've, we haven't done that in so many years and we're looking, uh, we want to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, check out our website, christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. <music>